Welcome to the Motherhood Village podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Gonzalez Cumberbatch, and I know firsthand that it takes a village to raise a child, but most importantly, that it takes a village to uplift a mother. A mother's village is necessary and can take up many forms. Consider this podcast as part of your motherhood village. No matter the season of motherhood you're in, every conversation will give you more tools to add to your parenting toolbox and you'll feel supported, inspired, and uplifted. So let's get into an informative and empowering conversation. Hello and welcome to the Motherhood Village podcast. I am on with a very special guest. I have Tatiana Jordan, who is the Chief Marketing Officer and Chief Parent Officer of Bark Technologies, an online safety company that helps keep kids safe online and in real life. A renowned thought leader on digital parenting, Tatiana has contributed to pieces in the Wall Street Journal, Forbes, Huffington Post, Fox Business, Daily Mail, USA Today, Vogue, and more. Her first book, Parenting in a Tech World, was published in 2020 and quickly became a bestseller on Amazon. Amazon. Tatiana was also featured in the 2020 documentary Childhood 2.0. And when she's not busy trying to make the world a safer place for kids, she enjoys painting with her son. How are you today? I am so good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to speak with you. And please confirm it's Tatiana? Titania. Oh, Titania. Oh, no. Yes, that's a difference. <laughs> it's Titania. Okay, great. No, I want to make sure that I have it. Okay. So let's jump into it. Bark Technologies. Well, actually, before we do that, I always like to ask my guests what's a favorite book of theirs. And I know you, you've written one, which I cannot wait to check out myself, but you can plug your book. Uh, but either way, it's a favorite book of yours that you think everyone should have or one that you think all parents, mothers should read. So if you'd like to share that. Great. Yeah. So there's a book called Parenting in a Tech World that my co-author Matt McKee and I wrote. He He's a dad of two. He actually passed away this year mm. due to a, a very valiant battle with cancer. So yeah, I, it was an honor to partner with him and I miss him so much. And he, he was a wonderful mentor to me um, for how to raise my own son in a tech world. So together we wrote Parenting in a Tech World and feel free to check it out. Yeah, no, I'm excited too. Okay, great. So let's jump into it. So Bark, how is Bark, and you can tell me if you want to start with maybe explaining of what and who, what Bark does, who Bark is for, or do you want to maybe jump into say why you decided to work with Bark, or maybe they are kind of interrelated and you can touch upon both things at once. So I'll kind of give that floor to you. Great. So I'd say let's start with just the why, why behind Bark? What the heck is it and why does it exist? So almost over eight years ago, our CEO, Brian Basin, he's a dad of two boys. He was actually working at Twitter. His his previous startup was acquired by Twitter. So he was, you know, he was living the good life, right? Acquisition, working at a big, cool tech company, you know, fatherhood in full swing. And his oldest son was given a device that could access the internet. And Given what he knew, working at a social media company, being a, as technically savvy as he was, he realized he was not in the best place to keep his own son safer online, given the existing landscape of parental controls and settings. So he took a big risk, left Twitter, started Bark under the premise of, you know, parents are woefully underprepared for how to keep kids safer online when their kids do get access to these apps and these devices. And what if we could 
utilize tech to help parents with tech? What if we could utilize artificial intelligence to connect to children's devices, accounts, texting, email, surface dangers that they encounter like cyberbullying, sexual content, predators, eating disorder related content, mental health issues, surface it to the parents and caregivers via text and email, and then let the parents and caregivers take action with best recommended next steps. And so that what if turned into a reality. Fast forward to today, we not only have our app that does that analyzing and flagging and alerting, we also offer our tech to any school in the United States for free. So we have so many schools, uh, uh, thousands of schools and districts that use our tech that, that is saving lives to then just a year ago, we launched a smartphone because so many kids were getting iPhones and they weren't safe or other phones that were maybe clunky or juvenile or just didn't have enough features that, that kids and parents needed. And we just decided to launch our very own smartphone that was sleek and cool, but also safe. So that's just a little bit about why bark and what bark. <laughs> I love it. So I guess my next question to you will be, what made you compelled to join the organization? And then my second question to follow and bring it together is, what exactly does Bark do? I love the phone aspect. I didn't see that. So I love that. And I, I can definitely understand why. But explain to my listeners what exactly Bark does to change a digital landscape for families and children. Sure. So I guess to the first part of why I'm with Bark, you know, I'm a mom of a 14 year old son. He's a freshman in high school. And unfortunately, I have made every mistake in the book when it comes to giving him access too soon to certain pieces of tech or video games or even just Netflix shows, right? I've made every mistake in the book. And there's so many things that I have learned that I wish I could go back in time and tell other parents before it's too late for them and their kids. So I have a personal interest in helping to educate families about what's to come very soon in their, their children's later childhood and early teen years, because it's a lot. feels like a tidal wave sometimes. And once you're in it, it's very hard to get out of it. I also have personally struggled with depression, anxiety, eating disorders, suicidal ideation, and I didn't grow up in this world. So knowing what it's like to go through those things, not exacerbated by social media and screen time addiction, makes it even more just important for me to help make sure these kids are okay because they're up against even more than we were. Once you know the rate at which children today are struggling with cyberbullying, suicidal ideation, once you know how often they're exposed to tough issues you can't help but want to fight to help reverse those trends. And, and that's where I am. And then that dovetails into the, the why and the what of Bark. You know, there are plenty of options out there for kids that want to access games, the internet, communication with others, but they are not inherently safe. You know, it's like a car without a seatbelt, right? You got this cool tech, but it's not safe. And that's where we are in the tech landscape. And so Bark's job is to make sure that kids can use tech safely and parents can have more peace of mind when their kids use tech because we have implemented those seatbelts, bike helmets, safety tools, settings so that you can parent without worrying about what your child is encountering. 
It's interesting because, yeah, the minute, so my son is six and I bow down to you because you have a teenager, (laughs) but it seems you have one like me. And um, he was just, just to kind of tell you that I think the landscape even more so, it's not even the exposure that we try to provide present on ourselves within our home, but it's also who they're exposed to. So he was on an after school, after care bus to go to this training Taekwondo thing. And he comes on, he's like, mommy, one of the boys had a cell phone and I was able to go on YouTube and we watched so many videos. And I do this thing called, and I tell my moms in my groups called poker face to where to try and like be as level-headed as possible. (laughs) And it works because we all know, I mean, I remember being a child and the minute you kind of see your mom's face or dad's face, you're like, Ooh, let me not go there. So I just try and have a poker face as much as I can. So I'm like, Oh, and you know, I have this big smile. I'm like, Oh, that must've been so fun. I'm like, tell me more inside. I'm like, what did he see? Who let this kid have a cell phone? How old is this boy? And I had just have like these rage is just going off. So to your point, it's scary because it's, again, not only what we can try and prevent it within our own home, but so many other children, for whatever reason, that little boy had a cell phone is now exposed, you know? And like I said, they're on YouTube. So there was like nothing. It was just like a, a, a you know, free for all for things. I want to dive in a little bit because you, you are exposed to it, right? And this is why I was saying before we jumped on, like, Uh, I'm so excited to talk to you because this is big. It's big because I know some of the dangers because I've talked to some experts on the podcast. But when I came across Bark as well as yourself, I did my research. And one of the things you had said was, you're quoted as saying, so many children every single day are encountering things that most parents have no idea about. And I know a lot of parents also say like, listen, I don't want to watch the news. I don't want to know about it. But these are things that are happening that our children are exposed to that have nothing to do with the news. As you stated, there's cyberbullying, there's sexting, there's online porn, there's social media, there's text messages, all these things that they now have access to. So my question is, can you share some of the things to educate some of the parents listening that don't know what their kids may be encountering as online? And I want you to talk from like young kids to teens and tweens, because my audience kind of fits all of those ranges. And what are you seeing right now that scares you kind of the most in terms of digital dangers? Wow. Great question. So important to cover. I'll start with younger kids. You know, Roblox is an incredibly popular game. It's the most popular game for kids, you know, five to 12 years old with hundreds of millions of users under the age of 13. And what a lot of parents don't realize that there are also predators on that game and their child isn't just playing a video game. They're communicating with people all across the world in real time. And yes, while Roblox has filters and moderators and safeguards in place, they're not foolproof and children are being exposed to inappropriate content and people on things like Roblox, things that you might think are totally safe. And it's not just Roblox, it's Minecraft, it's Fortnite. Basically anywhere that your child can access the internet, where they're able to communicate with others, even if it's just the family iPad and they want to try to FaceTime a friend or relative or use somebody's iCloud account to send messages, that opens the door to danger. And that means that you need to be having conversations with them about what they could potentially encounter and how to react to it. Just think about the fact that if you get 
a spam text, right? Perhaps it's for, you know, a male enhancement drug or a weight loss drug, right? We get spam. If your child clicks on that, they're down a rabbit hole of things that they didn't even know about and you didn't know about because you're doing something else. The apps that your children want the most are the most problematic. For example, Snapchat. So many children are asking for that app as young as third grade, right? And it's not good for them. Snapchat has Snap Maps built into it that shares your child's live location with anybody that they're connected to, unless they're on ghost mode. It's very problematic. Snapchat has something called My AI built in where children can just ask it questions, right? Like that's that's so scary to me because, you know, kids will go to Google and kids will go to TikTok now before they come to parents or doctors or counselors to ask them tough questions. And now they're going to Snapchat AI, which isn't always accurate, and it's leading them astray. Children can order drugs, like illegal prescription and illegal drugs just delivered to their door. And it's not necessarily the drug they think they're getting. It's not just a Percocet or marijuana. It has fentanyl in it. Children are being extorted and sextorted at an unprecedented rate. The FBI has released multiple warnings about children who think they're communicating with a peer, right? An Instagram, for example. And all of a sudden they've sent a photo or a video And then they're being pressured to send more for money. And if they don't, then the person on the other end will will embarrass them. And a lot of children are dying by suicide instead of surfacing that to their parent because they're so ashamed. I'll, I'll end on the fact that suicide is the second leading cause of death in children in the United States right now. So that is just scratching the surface of things that most parents don't realize are happening when their kids have access. And what, oh goodness, there's so much to unpack there because I I guess my next question is, and there's Bark, right? And I want to make sure that we kind of stay on because I, I I feel like I could talk so much deeper, but I know we only have a certain amount of time and I know really I want to highlight an organization like BART because, I mean, BART is trying to change that landscape and do what they can in in something that's almost like the wild, wild west <laughs> because there's just so much and there's always, I'm sure, new technology. I, I saw that Snap Maps. Thankfully, my son hasn't been exposed to Snapchat, but he was exposed to Roblox because we had a neighborhood kid who just put it on his iPad. And I was like, what the heck? I tried to keep it away from him as long as possible. Now, the good thing is I'm trying to have conversations with my son now. So my next question to you, a mother's listening to this, a father's listening to this, and they're like, holy, what do I do? How do I start? Where do I begin? So my question to you is, how do you even begin? I know. (laughs) How do you even begin to have conversations with your littles? And my son is six and we've been very real and very honest. And he knows we've been trying to get him off the roadblocks because I know, but again, to your point, it was exposed. So now it's, how do you, what do you do? So we're just trying to be honest with him. But to the parents listening to this, can you give share tips? Maybe there's things that conversations you've had with your son. How can we have those open conversations so that children, number one, do feel comfortable to tell us more than anything and not having to go to Snapchat or asking TikTok for why they feel depressed and ways parents can help monitor mm-hmm. with a company yeah. like Bark. So I guess two points. One, how to have, have try and have those open conversations. And two, how does Bark help in this situation? Great. So first, how? And it really, you just have to rip the Band-Aid off and go for it. 
you know, you don't have to come right out to your first grader and talk about online predation, right? But you can talk about tricky people. You know, I talked to my son about the fact that there are some people online when you're playing a game that might seem really nice. They might seem like a kid your age, and that's really cool. But it could also be somebody trying to trick you. Uh, It might actually be an adult. And if they start to ask you for anything personal, like your name, where you live, where you go to school, Any PII, that's personally identifiable information, that's a red flag. That's a warning flag. And you're not in trouble. You didn't do anything wrong, but you need to tell mom and dad or babysitter so that we can go and and make sure that that tricky person doesn't trick you or anybody else. Children need to know that that you're a safe place and that they're not going to be punished or that their access isn't going to be revoked because they're not going to tell you anything if you take away their form of entertainment. So they need to know that it's, it's, you know, it's a trust tree. And you also need to reiterate that it's not that you don't trust them. It's that you don't trust everybody in the entire world that they now have access to. It's also important to just discuss the science behind a lot of these things, right? When you let your child have access to a screen or a game, you are letting them activate the pleasure center of their brain. So it feels good and they're going to want to do more of it, more of it than is probably healthy for them. And so we have to constantly remind them that while this feels good and it's hard to take a break, we have to for our physical and mental health. Our bodies are meant to move around and be physically active and do more than just sit still and look at a screen. And that's, that's a really important conversation to have and, and to empathize with them. Like, Hey, you're not going to like it. You might be upset that we've got to take a break. That's a natural response to an addiction. But my job as your parent is to help you overcome that. You know, you might see something online that scares you or confuses you or makes you feel like you're not good enough. And let's talk about that. That happens to us as adults, right? We fall into that comparison trap of, I will never look like that. I will never have that kind of car. I will never have those that that amount of followers. You know, it's important to just talk about the difference between real life and and a filtered virtual curated life. I'll pause there because that's a lot to take in and then it I is. will switch to the, you know, how does bark help? So in addition to our app and our smartphone, which essentially gives children a safer way to either communicate or explore apps or browse the internet. It also provides time limits that actually stick and work so your children aren't online all night long when they should be sleeping. So safer tech with time limits and filters and monitoring, but it also will alert you because it's really not a matter of if, but when your child encounters some issue, right? It could be benign. It could be, I don't know, a Victoria's Secret email, right? But then you could talk to them about, you know, hey, you know, that is a picture of a woman in lingerie and cool, good for her. She's a model, but we are not going to take photos of ourselves, you know, wearing little to no clothing while we're minors because that could be dangerous, right? It's conversations like that that are important. So Bark will monitor, will alert, will help protect, but we also educate and empower. Even if you don't buy the Bark phone or pay for the Bark app, we have so many free resources for you because it's hard. There's a lot of things that you need to talk about with your children now that our parents didn't have to. We also have a free Facebook group called Parenting in a Tech World that has 
over 420,000 parents in it. So just like this conversation that we're having today that could go forever and ever and ever because there's so much to talk about, go to that group and you can find that help that you need and that community that you need because we're all in this together. So what you had mentioned about the FOMO and having empathy, I want to just mention that because I think it's so important for parents, especially for teens and tweens to hear. I have a lot of my girlfriends, I had my son later on in life, but a lot of my girlfriends had theirs in their 20s. Um, so they're like, listen, Nicole, like we're, we're lost. We don't even know how to navigate this landscape. So I think it's important. And I want you to maybe just maybe spend another second or so or minute or so on that of how and why it's so important for parents to shift their mindset and say, if their daughter or son comes to them is like, but you don't understand, mom, all of my kids are at, you know, uh, you know, movies, and I'm not there. And you know, that FOMO feel as well as they all have an iPhone, I don't have an iPhone, like, let's talk a little bit, what you're seeing, and why it's so important to kind of have that empathy, as opposed to just dismissing it and say, Oh, you'll be all right. They're still your friends, you'll see them in school, like all the things that I can imagine, like my parents telling me, why don't we just stay on that for just an extra couple minutes here? Yeah, absolutely. It is very hard to wait, but delay is the way, as my friend Chris McKenna says. I have never, ever, ever met a parent who said, you know what? I waited too long. I should have given my child access sooner. And on the flip side, so many parents, and myself included, fall into that camp of, I wish I would have waited just a little bit longer. Because the, the problems, the issues, the drama, the mental health ramifications, just the school attendance problems that come from giving your child that access too early, they are more than anybody can imagine. It is incredibly problematic. There is very, very, very little good that comes from elementary age children and middle school age children having that much access. The frontal lobes of their brains are not fully formed. That's the area of the brain that's responsible for decision-making, rational, impulse control, et cetera. And they are doing and saying things that they can't take back that are hurting people uh, for a very long time and hurting themselves. So just delay is the way. And your children aren't going to like it. They're not going to like you for it. But we are here to do what's best for them. We're here to take care of them both physically, mentally, but also digitally. We've got to guide them in the right way. And so empathize with them. Like, I realize that this sucks. This is not easy. All of your friends have it. I get it. It's not the healthiest thing for you. If and when it's time for your child to have access, if you do want to let them text with a couple trusted contacts or have access to a certain few apps that you feel are okay, that's where you can opt for the Bark phone, which is a safer way to let your child have access to tech. It's not like giving them an iPhone that's just the wild, wild west and incredibly not good for kids. On the FOMO piece, it's so important to realize that we, we can't understand what it's like to be a kid today. It's just so much different than any other child in human history. In fact, I don't know if you or any of uh, anybody watching or listening right now has seen the documentary Childhood 2.0 but it's free on YouTube and it's streaming a few other places. I highly recommend watching it but because it goes over what it's like to be a kid today, how you can't just go home and get away from the problems at school. They follow you. You open a device, you open Snapchat, you see Snap Maps, you see a real-time heat map of where everybody is and where you're not. 
you know, you go on Instagram and you see people's stories, you know, they're at Taylor Swift, they're at some football game, they're at some party and you're not even things like relationship status, you know, like now everybody knows we broke up and now everybody knows you're with this other person. Now that hurts. The fact that kids can take screenshots from parents' accounts that have shared too much about their kids and use that content to bully kids is horrific and it's happening. There's just, there's just so much, there's so much FOMO. Everything is filtered, right? Like when we grew up, you know, if you saw a picture of me in eighth grade, like I didn't know how to tame this frizzy hair. I did not have tutorials. There was acne, <laughs> there was awkwardness, there was cellulite, you know what I mean? But like now, if I were in eighth grade, I would know how to like filter and thin and smooth and tan and whiten my teeth. And it's like, come on, that is not real life. My God, I know. And you just saying that it has so many thoughts going through my head. And what it really comes down to is parents being educated and parents being armed with the knowledge of what's going on. And really, like you said, having the empathy and to be open and transparent with our children to help alleviate that. Like my heart just breaks because yeah. there's so much of our childhood that is no longer there. And oh, but, but, and actually that's going to go into my next question for you. So as a mom that encounters the dangers of the digital world every day, can you share strategies yeah. that help you manage and cope with the anxiety of dealing with this? Like, how do you maintain mental wellness through your work? Because you see it every day. It's like a police officer, right? Like people can be like, oh, it's not so bad. You're in your own bubble, but the police officer sees it every day. The detective, you know, you see it, you know, how do you maintain some sort of normalcy and trying to give your child a normal childhood when you know this is all out there? Well, in full transparency and honesty, I have failed in a lot of ways. I wish I could go back in time. If I could go back in time, I would not let my child have a smartphone when I did because the bark phone didn't exist. His first smartphone would be a bark phone. I would not let him have a gaming console in his bedroom. You know, for Christmas one year, he got a PlayStation and that was really cool, but we let him keep it in his bedroom. No, dumb idea. Don't do that to Tanya. Children shouldn't have connected tech in bedrooms because what are they going to do? They're going to stay up all night communicating, connecting, gaming, and they're not going to sleep and that affects their growth and their mental health. I would not have let him had apps like TikTok and Snapchat and Instagram as early as I did bad things happened on there. Bad choices were made. Cruelty took place towards him. I wish I could take it back. We're still dealing with some of those things right now. So I would say, please delay access. Please make sure your children have enough physical activity and in real life entertainment and connection with humans and art and books and sports and music and all of those things, because they're going to spend the rest of their lives whether it's their career or connecting, you know, in a digital way, we don't need to introduce it any earlier. Tech is a very convenient babysitter for a child as the mom of an only child that works full time, but it will come back to bite you. And it did me, you know, it's very easy to get sucked into your email inbox and all of a sudden your child has been just binging YouTube for three hours, right? It's, it's, it is very, very hard, but you've got to be intentional. Now, where I have made mistakes, I have gone over and above to build that relationship with my child, own those mistakes to him and communicate with him about those things I wish I could change. You know, Hey, I made this mistake when you were nine, when you were 11, when you were 12, I wish I could take it back. 
Here are the negative things I think that have happened because of it. What do you think about it? What, what will you change if you become a dad one day? Just having that dialogue and, and loving him unconditionally and, and letting him know that while I can't take certain things back, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure he is healthy physically and mentally and spiritually and just trying to, trying to do better. You know, I have, I have too much screen time myself. And so I try to get up, take breaks, walks, play with the dog, you know, all of that. I know it's a gift and a curse, right? Because same thing, we're tethered to our phones. I'm a business owner, so I communicate with my moms via online, but it's why a lot of the work I do here, especially in South Florida, of really trying to make a lot of it happen in real life, get away from the Facebook groups, get away from behind the computer, but let's connect in real life. But I'm interested, and thank you for being so vulnerable and honest with that, but my other question to you is, what do you do for yourself then? What do you do to make sure that you're good amongst what is out there? It's tough. I mean, it's it's easy to be weighted down by the problems out there and, and how many children are being being negatively affected. But if I don't wake up, if I don't get out of bed when I don't want to, and take the phone calls and do the Facebook lives and the Zooms and the podcasts and the TV interviews and respond to the questions on Instagram, et cetera, et cetera. I just think about how many children and families won't be helped if I don't do that. So the the knowledge that the more I can do reasonably while getting enough sleep will help families and caregivers, that's what keeps me going. And then I also know that if I don't put on my own oxygen mask, I can't help anybody else. So when I need to take a break, I take a break. If I need to move my body, I move my body. Even if it's just running up and down the stairs, you have to know when to take a break and then get back into it. Therapy is wonderful. I highly recommend it for anybody who isn't utilizing it. You know, yes. and just just not letting things weigh you down, not keeping things inside. The ability to talk with others and share what you're going through and being vulnerable is part of it. No, it is. The studies show the the community aspect helps people live way beyond, you know, the longevity of it, uh, of life, just because of having that community and support is so important. You don't feel alone. My, my next question to you before we kind of bring it all together here is, what about those parents that are like, oh, I don't want to be like, you're, you're in the privacy, you're, you're too much, you know, like we have, they have to have some privacy, you know, we can't be all, and I don't want to say helicopter parent, because it doesn't sound like that, that's what this is, but you'll have the naysayers. How do you draw the line between privacy and knowing what your children are doing online? Is there a balance? Because I would imagine all of these accounts, the Snapchats, the things, our children are then creating this digital footprint for them. So I know when I Google myself, certain things come up. I mean, I thank God all good, but you know, we have this now presence online that'll be there basically for yeah. I mean, ever. One of the great things about Bark is that we don't give parents full unfettered access to their children's devices and accounts because honestly, if parents want that, they can just go grab their kid's device and comb through it manually. Our job is to save parents time and only surface and flag the problems, the issues that parents really need to know about. So that's one thing is that we we highly prioritize that relationship and that balance because it is a balance. I like to use a diary analogy. If I was a very healthy high schooler, good grades, sleeping well, eating well, hanging out with friends a reasonable amount of time, 
but my mom felt the need to read my diary every night, I would say that's pretty, pretty invasive and not necessary. But if I, you know, lost 30 pounds in a month, my grades were dropping, I didn't want to leave my room and I was sleeping all day and I wouldn't talk to her about anything, but I was talking in my diary, right, about things and she needed to go there to figure out what's wrong with my child because she wanted to help me. That's a different story. So you've got to take everything on a case-by-case basis. It is our job as parents to keep our kids safer in real life and online. And so you do need to be involved in their digital world, but you don't need to be too involved, right? You you do need to uh, give them a, a bit of privacy and give them some grace and the ability to make mistakes, but just not mistakes that can ruin their life or reputation. Thank you for that. And my last two questions are ways people can connect with you and Bark, and what are your final thoughts? Okay. <laughs> okay. So if you... If this resonated with you and you're like, yes, I I need help with parenting in a tech world, whether it's gaming, apps, devices, whatever, we've got you. We are on our Facebook group, Parenting in a Tech World, over 420,000 parents in that. So you just go to Facebook and search Parenting in a Tech World. Happy to let you in that group. As long as you follow the rules, we, we make sure everybody is kind to one another because it is a very important and special community. We are also posting content all the time. I am on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, LinkedIn, all the places, not because it's important for me to have more and more followers. That's not where I get my self-confidence and self-worth, but because it is important to use social media for good and educate and empower and build community. So if you're on social and you want to you know, get more information and connect with me or Bark we are there. If you want to sign up for Bark, either the app or, or learn more about our safer smartphone, you can just go to bark.us. That's our website. Everything is there. And then final thoughts, I would say, you know, I've, I've been pretty vulnerable with you during this time and just regrets I have, but I also give myself some grace because I I, you, we are the first generation of parents that are parenting in a world like this. Nobody has done this before. There's no manual. So we're just figuring it out as we go. And we do need to give ourselves some grace. And as long as our children know that they are loved unconditionally by us and that we will figure this out together, I think we'll all be okay. We just, we can't be ignorant. We can't stick our heads in the sand. We've got to be more involved than, than any other generation before. Thank you so much, Titiana, for coming on, for sharing such great information with my listeners. It's been an absolute pleasure talking with you and continued blessings to you for love and light. This was great and very informative. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to this impactful episode of the Motherhood Village podcast. Subscribe to my show so you'll never miss a future episode. You may also rate and review on Apple Podcasts and share this episode with someone that can use it as part of their Motherhood Village. Remember, your village can take up many forms and you do not have to do it alone. Connect with me at themotherhoodvillage.com. Blessings to you for love and light. Welcome to the Motherhood Village podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Gonzalez Cumberbatch, and I know firsthand that it takes a village to raise a child, but most importantly, that it takes a village to uplift a mother. A mother's village is necessary and can take up many forms. Consider this podcast as part of your motherhood village. No matter the season of motherhood you're in, every conversation will give you more tools to add to your parenting toolbox and you'll feel supported, inspired, and uplifted. So let's get into an informative and empowering conversation.